Hey guys, glad to have you guys here. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it's great to have you here worshiping with us at our Carney campus. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus and those from our soon-to-come Ogallala campus that might be worshiping with us online today. Uh, glad to have you guys here with us. It's going to be a great day. How you guys are excited to be at church to worship Jesus today? Huh? Are you? I love it. I love it. Hey, talking about our North Platte campus for just a second, okay? We just bought this brand new building. You saw a little like iPhone video of it at, uh, at our Carney campus here. Sorry about the quality of it, but we just had an iPhone. That's all we could do, right? So that's the way life goes. But um, man, we've got a lot happening out there. We, we've got tons of things that's been going on. In fact, this past weekend, we had a crew from the North Black campus that they were just ripping out trees. They were ripping out shrubs. They're, they're just making the curb appeal like a thousand percent better. It, it's awesome. In fact, I was getting like shots, like pictures sent to me, you know, during the morning while they were out there working. And one of them was like this, of this yeah, this is it right here. I had to show you this one. Like someone brought out this forklift, this huge thing. They tie a chain around one of the trees and just lift it out of the ground. And I, that's when I'm like, I got some trees in my house that need to be cut down. <laughs> if we can just rip them out of the ground, what am I out there with a chainsaw for? Like, just, just rip that thing out of the ground. Let's make this thing happen. So uh, they're just doing a lot of work out there to make the place look amazing. And that's really exciting. God's growing the church in North Platte, the campus there. Four and a half years old. We already had to leave our current facility, buy this brand new one. And uh, I just can't wait to see what God continues to do as we make our way into it. Um, at the same time, we are getting ready to plant uh, the third campus in Ogallala. Ogallala is another, it's like 150 miles west of us. North Platte is 100 miles to the west of us. If you're a guest with us, and maybe you're unfamiliar with Nebraska. So 150 miles down the road, one of the things we've been doing is we said we're praying for the campus pastor. We're looking for them. I did a boot camp Pastor Chris and I, we took a bunch of people that felt called to ministry and we took them, our teaching team, and we went away for a weekend and we just did a boot camp of ministry. Like what are the real practical things of ministry that you're going to be experiencing? We just threw them in to all these environments, just kind of see, do they, do they have the got it factor? Like they all sensed a call to God, a call to follow God into vocational ministry, okay? So we, we knew that about all of them, but where, where's the got it factor? Like, you know, are they ready to like activate right now? Now. And God really showed us some amazing things about people here at our church. We are a church that's making disciples, by the way. I want you to know that right now. And we're not as a church. Oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. I know you're getting ready to clap because that's exciting because Jesus said, go do it. But Jesus really said this be a church that makes disciples that turn around and they make disciples. And guys, that's the church that we really are. That's the church we really are. And that's exciting, yeah. And what I'm getting ready to tell you is the evidence of that. When you're looking for a campus pastor, you're looking for somebody that will cherish your DNA, uh, your heart, your culture. And then they'll go out and they'll replicate that. Just like Jesus when he said, hey, look, I'm sending you out two by two. Or when he ascends into heaven, he tells him, now go and do what I've done. Go make disciples. He was like, go replicate the culture. Um, when you're looking for a campus pastor to put 150 miles down the road and to live in another rule hub, like Carney's a rule hub, uh, you, you really have to know that they, they own that heart. And so we found that couple right here in our church. A church that's making disciples is now going to send out people from our church, like missionaries, going to another rule hub to be the campus pastor that's going to go make disciples. 
And I'm excited about it. So here's what we've done. We've hired this couple that felt a call of God. We brought them onto the team. They're starting work tomorrow morning as our campus pastors of Ogallala. And we got a lot of work to do. So what I want you to do is from your very own, from this congregation, right? I want you to give it up both here and in North Platte for one of your very own, Trevor and Jordan Lieberger. Come on, give it up for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah. Love it. Come on. Yeah. Dude, it's exciting. It's exciting, you know? Man. I love that. You guys are just like, I don't know. I, how young were you when, when you moved here, Jordan? Take that mic really quick. How young were you when you moved here? I was 10. 10 years old when you moved here. Cool. And uh, Trevor, how old were you when you started coming to this church? Well, I was about 16, and this nice lady uh, to the side of me, she is who brought me here. Oh, she brought so, you yeah, here? she brought me here. So uh, okay. You have her to thank. Okay, yeah. Well, that... that I guess I didn't realize that, but hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, we want to officially thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome. So you guys have seen some very like instrumental years here at our church of God just, you know, shaping you and molding you into the couple that you are. And you're trying to pack everything into one year, like everything that's big in one year. You just graduated, you know, from UNK. You just got back from spending a couple of years out at Elevation Church as part of their Elevation worship team and worship school. And so, you know, we're glad to have you back and you're bringing back all these incredible skills and abilities. You guys both feel a call to ministry on your life. And it was like, how many days ago did you guys just get married? Two weeks and a day. Two weeks and a day. Yeah, come on. I love that. So there's nothing like throwing one more thing at you, right? Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? You're on a roll. You're on a roll. So, man, you guys are going to be the campus pastors. Can you just like really quick, just, you know, speak for both of you really fast. So, because I got, I got a whole sermon to preach, right? And um, I think these guys are trying to figure out how they can clap more for you so that I can't preach. I see how you guys are. I see how you guys are. All right, <clears throat> but anyways, just talk to us really quick, man, about the call to go to Ogallala, um, the call to uh, just go into full-time ministry and your excitement about this new opportunity. Just speak for you guys. Yeah, we are, first of all, we are so excited to start this journey in Ogallala. We are so excited to start making connections and just really grow fellowship there. It has been amazing. This Carney campus has been amazing and just discipling us and growing us as leaders and really this being the spiritual home for both of us. Um, it's been many, many years of instrumental relationships and fellowships here. And now that you guys are really sending us out as missionaries into that Ogallala campus, you guys play just as much a part of this as the pastoral team and anybody else that was involved. So really, yeah. we want to thank you guys in this sending us out as missionaries. We really feel called out there. Um, we're so excited to get started. So we want to thank you guys for sending us out as missionaries and so we can get started. Pray with us. Come alongside of us because this really is one church in multiple locations. So come alongside of us. It's not just us going out there, but uh, this whole church as a whole. So pray with us. Let's get excited about it. We're excited to go out. All right, let's do it. Come on, let's make it happen. Thanks, bro. Love you guys. All right. Awesome. 
Wow. Okay, so the launch date, this is what we've got on the calendar for the last Sunday of September. Last Sunday of September, we're launching that campus. Write it down on your calendar. Okay, if, if you get a job opportunity between now and then, and it, the phone call comes from Ogallala, I want you to seriously consider that it's possibly from God. Okay? Not to mention the fact that there is the biggest lake in like a multi-state region there. So if you feel called the lake ministry, we want you to move out there too. <clears throat> All right? So uh, we're looking for people that want to be a part of that team. And no joke, like if you're retired and you want to be a part of a church planting team, then let's go. Come on, let's move out there and let's figure out how to make, make your living out there uh, and be a part of a church planting team. If you're a young adult and you're looking at what you want to do with your life, if you're in college and you just don't want to go back next year, <clears throat> <clears throat> but you know you have to. So you want to like put a little reprieve, then come with us to Ogallala, all right, and uh, join, our, join our team. It's going to be exciting. God's going to do some fun stuff in Ogallala. Not to mention the fact it's just a fun thing to say. Say Ogallala with me. Come on. Ogallala. It's just fun, people. It's just a fun word, all right? It's going to be great. All right. So, look, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. I'm going to talk to you today about what I consider to be the most difficult topic in all of Scripture to deal with. The most difficult. We're in this teaching series called King Me. We're trying to figure out <clears throat> how to get the crown off of us, right, and let Christ wear the crown. We're, we're trying to figure out how, how we don't become the king of our life, but how Christ can become the king of our life. And in this King Me series, we're looking at both the authority of Christ in our life, but we're also looking at there's, a, there's an authority where we kind of become the king um, of our home. We become, we become the king in a way, the manager of a, of a plant or the, you know, the, the team leader of a team or whatever that looks like. There's authority on this earth and there's authority in heaven, both. And we're kind of looking at both of them at the exact same time, trying to weigh it all out. So in light of that, I want to talk to you what I consider to be the most difficult topic in all of Scripture to deal with. Today, I would much rather deal with giving. I would much rather deal with tithing. Uh, I would rather deal with, uh, you know, what it means to, uh, you know, talk about sin and go after certain sins. I, I would rather, I'd rather talk about, you know, the difficult topics, the hot topics, you know, of our culture than to deal with this particular topic. But today we have to deal with it because it's, it's the topic that's keeping you and me from just excelling. It's like propelling us in our relationship with God. It's the topic that's causing some of your journeys to be plateaued with Christ. It's a topic that's causing some of you to, you know, not be grounded and rooted even in this world and be productive and effective for the kingdom of God. That topic is spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is the most difficult topic, I think, as a pastor to have to deal with because as you talk about spiritual authority, you recognize the fact that you are one of those authorities. And how do you talk about this topic without taking two spotlights and just shining them on you? How do you deal with it in a healthy way so that, you know, we can really grasp what it is that God's got going on in his kingdom for us and how we submit to him and then how we submit to one another in, in leadership over us uh, as an attitude of submitting to him. So really the, the, the reason why it's so difficult is because authorities have abused um, their leadership throughout the years. And uh, there's so many horrific cases of people being given authority. And let's just talk about church for a second. Being given the authority of the, the pastor role and then misusing that authority that ends up wounding and hurting and offending others. 
And some of you, 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 you know, none of, none of us like grew up as a baby probably in this church other than maybe some teenagers that are listening to me today. If you're an adult, you, you may have moved to this town. You may not have been like raised in this church. And so we all have these different church experiences and we're coming here. And some of you, you've, you know, you get, act, we all have access to the internet as well. So, you know, here we are, we're, we're reading about these horrific moments that have happened anywhere in our nation where pastors have just misused their authority. And then now you're walking through our doors and you kind of walk through the doors of new life kind of like this until the pastor and the leadership of the church can prove that they are trustworthy so then you can open up your arms and I I get that right like if I was going to switch churches I wouldn't just walk in arms wide open I would try to figure out what's going on but it's more than that it's more than just trying to get familiar with a place and you know learn what a leader is all about it's more than that it's I've been wounded from the past and I'm coming in with my wound and I'm not going to let you get close And because you hold leadership at bay because of past pain and hurt, then the very leader that God gave you to bless you and to lead you is not in your life. And and so one of the reasons why it's so hard is because of past hurt and pain. Another reason why it's so hard is because individuals have blindly followed, blindly followed leaders into toxic situations just blindly walking along and just following them that way. It's another reason. Let me tell you one more reason why talking about spiritual leadership is so hard is because of the phrase, God told me. That phrase has been misused by leaders in such a way that they use it in a dictatorial type of a fashion. God told me, and now there's no way for you to argue. There's no way for you to disagree because the spiritual leader came out and said, God told me. Let me just stop for a second to just speak to spiritual leaders that might be listening to me, people that feel called to ministry that one day will be in spiritual leadership. Let me just say this to you. Be very, very, very careful on how you use the term God told me. Now, please, use it, because as a spiritual leader, if God didn't tell you something, then why should we be following you? But as a spiritual leader, be very careful with that phrase and the way you use it. I think we, get, we throw it around sometimes like it's a, like a two-cent phrase. And in, that, in doing that, we've inflicted more harm than we have good. But the flip side of all of this, and the reason why I'm talking about it today, is because of the power what happens when spiritual authority is correct in our lives. When the leader is submitted to the authority of Christ with an attitude to bless people and the people are submitted to the leader as unto God, that union now becomes something extremely powerful that God uses to build his kingdom. He uses it to really like explode his kingdom when those entities come together. But like I said a second ago, we've all seen churches that operate just the opposite because when one of those two, the the leader or the follower, gets out of alignment, then what happens is that the enemy's agenda starts being accomplished instead of God's agenda. And unfortunately, we all know churches where that's happening, where the leader is attacking the people and the people are attacking the leader. And the enemy loves it. The enemy would love for the city of Kearney, North Platte, and Ogallala to be filled with churches where the leaders are attacking the people and the people are attacking the leaders. Such a toxic environment. It's exactly what our world hates about church. And we fall for it all the time. 
We turn inward and we attack one another more than we love one another. Jesus never said, the world's going to know you're my disciple by the way you hate each other. He said, the world's going to know you're my disciple by the way you love each other. It's the very thing that the enemy wants to come in and he wants to rip apart and he wants to steal and kill and destroy in. And if he can take down a local church, then he takes down the hope of the world. So guys, look, here's one thing I love about New Life. New Life is a church where the leaders love the people. We love you. And we've got a long history of leaders loving the people. And at our church, we also have the people that... I just didn't want to say it, you know? I mean, I felt awkward. Just felt like one of those moments where I was like, I I shouldn't say that, right? But it is, it's like the culture of our church is we, we do love you. And we feel that love back from you. And it's out of that health that we're planting churches. Please don't, never mistake this about new life. We are not planting churches. Listen carefully. We're not planting churches just because there's lost people. We're planting churches because we're a healthy church and healthy things should replicate. And out of health, we're going to the lost. There's a lot of churches that aren't healthy that are trying to replicate and all they're replicating is toxic environments. There's a world full of lost people that need a healthy church that knows what it means to submit to the authority of Christ while we submit to the leadership, both at the church and in our world that we live in, so that we can live for God, by God, to accomplish his mission on this earth. It's very much like a marriage. Like Ephesians chapter 5, God instructs us about a marriage. And he says this about the husband. He goes, look, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Here's what he did. He gave his life up for her. Husbands, that's the way we're supposed to be loving our wives. Wife, he says, submit yourself to the husband as unto the Lord. So watch what happens here. It's really two people, the husband and the wife, submitting to the Lord. Like, are you willing to give your life up for her? Submitting to the Lord as they submit to one another. And that's exactly, that's like a beautiful picture of what's happening with leadership and with authority is that God establishes leaders. He puts position, people in positions of authority. And then he says to you and me, because I have authority over me, he says to you and me, submit to that authority. And as you're doing it, it's as if you're submitting to me because I'm the one who put them there. That's exactly what Romans 13 says. Take a look at it. It says this, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authorities come from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by who? Been placed there by who? God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in the people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? (laughs) Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for who's good? Your good. That's right. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a what? A clear conscience. There's a number of things that are happening in that passage, but what do you really hear? What is it that you hear? Like if you were taking notes right now, what would be the first thing that you would write down? What is it that you hear? Because let me just tell you some of the things that that I see in this passage. First off is this, all authority 
capital A, capital L, capital L, all authority comes from God, every bit of it. Now, in this passage, he happened to be talking about the government authority. Okay, he happened to be doing that because he was writing to Roman Christians during a time when the most wicked emperor ever on planet Earth was ruling Rome, Emperor Nero. And how we know that is because this, there was a big fire that took place in June of 64 that destroyed Rome. Nero decided this is my opportunity to attack Christians, so he blamed it all on Christians, and he started killing them left and right. He was a murderous man anyways. He murdered his way all the way into the throneship of being the emperor. He was a, he was a slanderous man. He was an adulterous man. He was a, a debauchery man. He was a, a man of, you know, of, of lies. He was just horrific. He took Christians, not only did he kill them all over the place that he could find them, but then he used Christians. He lathered them down with oil, put them on a stick, lit them on fire so that he could have light during his parties. That's the kind of wickedness in government that we're dealing with here when Paul is writing this to Roman Christians, by the way. Submit to the government authorities. That's harsh. So if he's writing to them in that type of environment, telling them you got to submit to the government authorities, I'm telling you today, that message is still relevant and it's still alive today because we are nowhere near that level of persecution. We're nowhere near that type of horrific things taking place in our culture. And when he's writing this, he's talking about the government. But let me just say this to you. This is God's word. This is not Paul's opinion. This is God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit written through Paul. Let me tell you something about the the heart of God when it comes to authority. God's using government as an example here. But God, we need to listen carefully. All authority comes from God. He's using the example of government, but he's talking about all authority. That means he's talking about this person today. He's talking about your boss. He's talking about your boss. And he's talking about you and your authority. So don't ever think that you're in your position of authority and that you got yourself there. I want you to know today, if you have authority, it's because God's the one who placed you into that, into that position of authority. And no one else. That's, that's what God does. So he's talking about your boss. He's talking about your authority. And then God says this, this is another thing I see in this, in this passage, is that the authority over you are God's servants sent for your good. It doesn't always feel that way, does it? It doesn't always feel like the authority over you is always sent for your good. It challenges you sometimes. It stretches you at other times. You know what I mean? I mean, at sometimes you, you really, you really want to let your authority over you kind of know what you're thinking, don't you? And you hold, you bite your tongue until you get around some other coworkers and then you let them know what you're thinking. That, that seems to be the case more often than not. But they're sent for your good. I'm just saying like one, if you could just take that one piece and just meditate on that for a week, how would it change the way that you see even authority on this earth? If you were just able to take that one piece, God, that person's sent for my good. How do, I, how do I submit to that? How do I live underneath that? One last piece out of that passage that really stuck out to me was this. That if you submit to authority, you get to live with a clear conscience. Wow. 
Some of you are carrying some serious weight because your conscience isn't clear. Because the authorities that are over you, you haven't lived in such a way that you can live with a clear conscience. There are the harsh realities of what you've said, what you've done, how you have undercut or how you have attacked, whether it's to their face or it's in private away from them. But that conscience is not clear. And that weight, it corrupts you. It acts like a toxic environment inside of your own spirit. And it affects the way now that you lead others and it affects the way you see leaders. And so God's writing to us about this issue and he's going, look, there's a lot going on here. So to help you understand, how do you respond to leadership over you that's not healthy, that's not right? What do you do when the, the authority over you isn't living the way that they should? They don't have their right heart for you. What do you do? You respond like in the King Me series that we're looking at, David. David. 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 Samuel chapter 19, and the, and the preceding chapters after that are going to deal with the issue. I would definitely challenge you to pick up in 1 Samuel 18. It's a book in the Old Testament. If the Bible's new to you, 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll find it. So here's what happens. David, he's a young man now, okay? And Saul has sinned before God, and he's very, like, tormented by this evil spirit. And the people that have submitted to Saul and his leadership go, we need to find somebody to kind of, like, you know, do something to help Saul because he's not thinking straight. And so they said, hey, let's go get somebody that can play a harp. Right, let's go get somebody to play some music. And one of them goes, I know a guy. He was playing last night at the coffee shop in Bethlehem. This dude's amazing. All right, we got to go get this guy. He plays this harp. It's incredible. It's just like soprano harp, but he sings amazing too. It's cool. So they bring him in. He plays for the king. And guess what happens? While he's playing his little harp for the king, which I don't know. Does they play it this Or is it like the big one? I don't, I don't know, guys. I'm not a harp player. Okay, or whatever it sounds like. You picture it. You let that whole vivid technicolor thing happen in your mind, okay? I'll spoil it. So while he's playing, like Saul has calmed down and everything's good. Everything's awesome. And then Saul leads his army out to battle against the Philistines. And then this famous passage of scripture takes place where Goliath is out in the valley and David shows up because he doesn't have anybody to play the harp for, so he's back working in the fields for his dad. And he shows up at the battlefield and he hears, you know, Goliath and he's slandering God and he's slandering the Israelites. And he goes, that guy's got to be taken care of. So he walks into the king's presence and the king's like, what, my heart player's out at the battlefield? Like, what's he going to do? What kind of help is he going to have out here, right? But David goes, I want to go kill that guy. And so they, they eventually let him go. And you know the story? He goes down, he kills Goliath, everybody celebrates. Saul, the king, is, is like elated. They come back into town, the people are singing, and the people are saying this song like, David's killed his 10,000s and Saul his thousands, and everybody's excited except for King Saul. King Saul, who asked David to go into battle for him, is now jealous in his heart because the people think that David is a better warrior, a more powerful warrior than Saul is. So the next time David's in the chamber playing a little harp for him, Saul can't get that out of his mind. And he's walking around with this spear in his hand. And finally he just goes, I'm going to let this guy have it. And he throws it at him and he misses. And then he, it says that he, he missed twice. He throws it at him again. He misses. Can I just suggest that the reason why they're singing Saul's only killed his thousands and David his ten thousands is because Saul can't throw the spear. I can just throw that biblical fact out there. 
So David flees. He flees that night. Well, Saul, he just can't get out of his mind. So he's like, I got to get this guy back. So he brings him back because he offers one of his daughters to him in marriage. Right? And then he, he kind of like, after a while, he yanks that rogue out from underneath him. But David still remains faithful to him. So then Saul's like, we got to kill this guy somehow. He goes, you know what? My daughter, Michael, she's in love with David, and David likes her. Got it. I'm going to manipulate that situation. I'm sending David out to the battlefield, and maybe the Philistines will kill him. So he sends him out to the battlefield, and he says, David, look, if you want to marry my daughter, you got to cut off a hundred foreskins of the enemy. That means you got to kill the enemy and cut off their foreskins. If you don't know what a foreskin is, ask your neighbor. <laughs> Later. Right? Like, Trevor, you got married. You weren't asked to cut off any foreskins, right, of anybody else. That's a, that's a crazy time. Crazy. Crazy. So David gets his men. He goes out. He doesn't get a hundred. I just got to say foreskins one more time because you don't get to use that very often in sermons. <laughs> he, doesn't care, he doesn't just cut off a hundred foreskins. He cuts off 200 of them and brings them back and says, here you go. He exchanged foreskins for the wife. Weird. And Saul is marching around in his chamber, ticked off that now he has defeated the enemy one more time. So then Saul goes, that's it. That's it. He's so fired up. He gets all of his leaders. He gets them around. He gets his son, Jonathan, in there. And he goes, guys, that's it. Have you noticed I've been trying to kill this guy? And all of them are like, yep. I'm going to kill him. Right? And that's what they said. Jonathan turns around and he says this back to his dad, the king. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way that he could. Have you forgotten about the time that he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant Goliath and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Like, why should you murder an innocent man like David? There's no reason. There's no reason. No reason for it at all. And after hearing those words, Saul actually repented. The word got back to David. Hey, uh, the king repented of trying to kill you all those times. Uh, he wants you back. David, out of submission to the authority of Christ, out of the submission of authority to the authorities that God placed on this earth, because that's how David saw it, he comes back in, he gets his harp back out, he starts playing the harp again. What do you think happened? He's playing the harp again. Spear comes out, hurls it at him again, misses again. It's just the facts, people. I'm just saying. Misses again. David flees. Never to return. Never to return to submit to working underneath that leadership. But I want you to notice what he never lets happen in his heart. Where does David go? David runs to Samuel. Samuel's the prophet. Let me just tell you something very quickly. David didn't run to coworkers to complain. He didn't run to his other buddies in his band that he played at the coffee shop with to complain. He didn't run to his other shepherd friends and complain. David didn't run to other people, you know, underneath the, the, the courtship of the king. He didn't complain there. David ran to Samuel. What does Samuel represent? Samuel represents God. Where did David go with his complaint? He ran to God with it, not to others. Instead of retaliating, instead of harboring anger, instead of harboring resistance against the king, he runs to Samuel. 
And he tells God about what's going on. Guys, I'm just going to tell you right now. If you're underneath authority that's not healthy, that's driving you up a wall, it's driving you crazy, it's getting underneath your skin, and you're running to everybody else, you're running to the wrong place. The right place to run is to God. He's the only one that can help you. Saul, he continues to hunt David down. He's looking for him. During this time, David, he gets like 600 men that want to follow him. Why? Because David's a cool dude. He plays a harp. He can dodge spears. He can kill Philistines. And he's got a history of bringing back foreskins for wives. I'm just saying, the guy's followable, all right? 600 people follow him, and they're like, you're going to be our leader. And at, while they're doing that, Saul's hunting them. They're hiding in a cave, way back in a cave. 600 of them, big cave. Saul shows up to do something else in this story that you rarely get to preach about. This is what happens. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. I love the Bible, guys. If you can't laugh while you read the Bible, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in the cave, that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Can you hear that? You can hear it. David's men are like revenge. Today, the Lord's telling you this. I will certainly put your enemy into, your, into the power to do with as you wish. Like, he's yours. So David crept forward, and he took out his knife, and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him <clears throat> because he had cut Saul's robe like attacking the authority of the king. Listen to what David says. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord, the king. He, he, this is what he says to his men, guys. He turns to his men in the cave and he whispers back to them, guys, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. He repents to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. Are you crazy? This is the guy who's tried to pin you to the wall more than once. This is the guy who took your first wife away from you, who almost, he tried to kill you to get your second wife, who's professed with his own mouth to kill you, who has all of his resources, all of his army, he's got himself out there, he's hunting you down like a wild animal to kill you once and for all and to leave you in the backside of a desert and you're saying, I shouldn't have done this because the Lord himself has chosen him. He's God's anointed. And as I did this, I've sinned not against man, but I've sinned against God. He's either the most ludicrous person to ever walk the face of the earth, or he's a genius beyond what you and me can imagine. And I'm telling you, he's a genius. He's walking with a wisdom that you and me, we just don't have right now. He's walking with a wisdom that you and me would not probably respond correctly with. He's walking with a wisdom of spiritual authority that our culture has rejected. Anybody in authority, we've rejected. We've pushed them away. We've, you know, got them away. We stiff-armed them away from ourselves. Like, they have, to be, they have to be something screwed up and messed up. Like, I'm just going to live independent. I'm going to do my life. I'm going to do it the way I want to. And those are people that are calling themselves Christian, by the way. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. David is a man of wisdom, and he's come to understand that there's authorities put on this earth, and if I attack that person, I'm attacking the authority of Christ. 
And he had this healthy respect for the authority of Christ, empowering the authority of men. And as he submitted to man, he saw himself as submitting to the Lord. And he was, he was convicted of this. So David restrained his men, and he did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and he shouted after him, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David repents to him. He bows down to the very man who's been trying to kill him, who's hunting him like an animal. Guys, that's the heart God wants us to have towards authority, even when they treat us wrong. So a few chapters later, Saul actually dies. Now, some of you are like, okay, cool, Jeff, I get it up to this point, right? But now he's died. I'm like, I'm free to do whatever, right? And some of us would be like, Saul died. Like, if you're part of David's army, he's like, Saul died, finally. Yes, he got what he deserved. That's not how David, that's not how David responded. And here's what I want you to notice. We're going to read this passage. It's not how his men responded. Look how his men responded. His men responded the first time in the cave, kill him. Look how his men respond this time. David and his men, hearing the death of Saul, David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and they wept and they fasted all day for Saul. And it goes on. Guys, that's not how you respond to your enemy. That's how you respond when you're a man submitted to the authority of Christ and you recognize the authority that's on this earth. Look at the transformation that happened in his men. Leaders, leaders in the room, listen. Look at the influence you have. His men wanted to kill him, kill Saul, and at the end, they're weeping for him. That's leadership. That's leadership. When you submit to the authorities over you, there's a blessing that flows to everyone underneath you. And David took 600 men that were willing to die for him, and they wept with him for a man that they had every right to say, good for you, I'm glad you died. You're a beast of a man. That's, that's submission to authority. He never went back and ever followed him. He never went back and put himself in that toxic environment because you don't have to do that. But in your heart is the issue, people. In your heart. Submission to authority is more about the heart than it is about you continuing to reside in a toxic environment with a leader that has you know, malice for you. It's about the heart. You keep your heart pure no matter where you go. There you are, by the way. So there you are, worshiping the Lord in purity with a clear conscience. Some of you today, you're leaders. And today, at the end, as I wrap up this message, today your response to the Lord is to submit yourself to him, humble yourself before him, and confess of the times when your authority has been used to wound others. And that's the move God wants you to make today. And he may even want you to make the move back to them later on this week or next month or whatever and confess to them, just like you watch David do. But it's first about confessing to God and then it's about confessing to others. Others of you, you you're in a position of following and you've been wounded and you're angry and you're bitter and you're holding resentment and you, know, you just want retaliation. And today, today your, move, your move is like David's men, right? Hear a message like this. Submit to the authority of Christ and forgive and move on. You might have to move out of the environment that you're in because you don't have to stay in a toxic environment. 
right? But you've, you've got to forgive. And in your heart, you've got to move on. Because everywhere you go, you're dragging this toxic, you know, concepts and thoughts along with you. And they're just, they're working against you. They're destroying you. They're destroying you. So what's your move today? There's the authority of submitting to Christ. That's the first. Then there's the authority of submitting to others. And I'm challenging you today. Submit first to the authority of Christ. Then submit to the authorities God's put over you. And live in a way that honors them, builds them up. If you can't do that anymore, it's time to move. If you can't honor them, it's time to get on. But I'm telling you, it's probably not that you can't honor them. It's probably that you're not letting God do his work in your heart the way he needs to. You might just be the very thing they need. They need you to be healthy before Christ so that you can submit to the leaders that are on this earth. Which, by the way, like it or not, God's the one who positioned authority. God's the one who establishes people in leadership. Submit to them as you submit to the Lord. Let's keep our hearts pure before God. In doing that, we can take our crown off and we can let Christ be the king of our life. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, as we wrap up this service today, there's people that are bringing hurt, pain, confusion from the past. They've been carried it around like in a suitcase everywhere they go, just a weight that wears them down. And today is the day for freedom. Lord, we need to submit to your authority and we need to forgive those authorities that have been over us, that have offended us and wounded us and hurt us. We need to forgive them. We need to let it go. We seek your forgiveness first in our actions that we've had towards them. We seek your forgiveness first in our malice that we've had against them, our anger that we've had against them, and though we ask that, Lord, that you, you would help us just to let that go. And for those that are in positions of authority, Lord, forgive us for times where we have misused our authority and it's left wounds and it's inflicted, uh, you know, cuts and hurts on others. None of us are perfect. We're going to find that in our past, even though we don't want to see it. But, Lord, we, we come to you right now. and Lord, we submit our authority to you, recognizing that, Lord, you're the one that's given us authority and leadership. And we want to lead in a way that glorifies you, it honors you, and it blesses you. And so, Lord, today we submit ourselves and our leadership to you, and we ask you, Jesus, to lead through us. So that just like David led his men, his men got better. When a leader gets, gets healthy and whole, people get better. And that's just the way it goes. So, Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for your word today. And may we submit to the authority of Christ. And as we submit to one another, may we do that out of submission to you. And in doing that, would you bless us? In Jesus' name, amen.